Welcome to the Strange Films Podcast, a place for filmmakers, actors, and other creatives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Strange Films Podcast. I am back with another filmmaker. Uh, he's actually a really, really, his resume is full, I should say. He's a musician and a filmmaker. Uh, Michael Pickle is joined on the show with me today. I'm very excited to have him, and thank you for your time, Michael. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I, I've i been acquainted with you on Facebook for, not I don't think too, too long, but long enough where I've been seeing a lot of your posts, especially uh, about your uh, new film, The Dead Place, that is currently being um, in post-production right now and, and being made and whatnot. So um, I, I saw your work, and I just thought it would be cool to reach out to you and see if you'd be interested in getting on the show to talk about your work, because uh, I know you've done a lot, a lot of things besides uh, what you're working on currently right now. Um, so for my audience, this, this show is really about like showcasing other filmmakers and creators, uh, for my audience who may not be familiar with you, if you'd like to take a moment to introduce yourself and kind of tell them all about you. Um, Michael Pickle, I've been a filmmaker since about 2008. I'm a former musician. Uh, I'm a self-proclaimed horror filmmaker. Some, some, uh, filmmakers kind of hesitate to call themselves horror filmmakers, but that's where my... That's where my inspiration comes from. That's where, you know, even even if I write a story that's not horror, it's dark or disturbing in some way. So that's uh, that's just where my inspiration comes from. And uh, everything I've done in my career has kind of led up to this. Uh, I left music and was bitten by the filmmaking bug, and I wanted to make this movie called The Dead Place. And I had this idea for it, and I, I sat up all night, every night for like three weeks writing it. It just poured out of me. So I'd, from then on, it was all about a journey to be able to direct it because I didn't want to just hand it over to another director and I couldn't do it as a beginner. I, I had learned enough to know that. So I just embarked on this journey and done all kinds of music, vid everything from music videos to TV shows, web series, uh, short films and anything I could do. I did a lot of my own stuff for no budget for all these years and I worked for other people for free. So it's it's fi I finally reached a point in my career where I, I felt I was ready to do the dead place, and so I went the crowdfunding route, and the rest is history. We we made enough to make make the movie and uh, get production finished, and now we're just working on post production. So we're trying to get some funds together for editing and some professional color correction and uh, sound design and all that. So that's where we're at now. All right, right on. Well, let's backtrack just a little bit because I I definitely want to help promote. Um the current campaign that's going towards that cost and everything and talk about the dead place in general. Um, but you know, you were, it, you were a musician and in your bio, when you said that you were going to, or when you, the inspiration for the dead place, you had a paranormal encounter. Is that something that is accurate? Uh, that, that led you to the discovery of wanting to pursue something like that? Yeah, I was, I was in a band and, and I had no aspirations to be a filmmaker besides a, a short film that I came up with for one of our videos. And the the uh, other band members kind of flaked on it. They didn't really see the, the vision that I did. So it kind of fell through. So I, I, that's really the only experience I'd had so far with filmmaking. So then I visited this uh, haunted, you know, supposed to be haunted asylum in Downey, California. And my friend and I went in there and we went, went in there we saw on the tape when we watched it back, there was moaning that we didn't hear while we were there. There were uh, shadows, there were orbs flying around. And then we went to go down to the end of the basement and there was this vicious growling, sounded like a large animal in the basement. Mm -hmm. And 
instead of being scared of it, I have this weird thing where, where I, when I feel like I'm in danger, I go towards it instead of running away from it. <laughs> so I went down into the basement because I had to see what that was making that vicious growling sound. And it was a small little stone room all sealed off. You could feel how dank the, the air was down there. So it was mm-hmm. completely sealed yeah. off. And there was no animals down there whatsoever. And the, there's a video of it on YouTube. But uh, we got down there and there was nothing down there. We searched everywhere. There was certainly nothing that could make that big of a growling sound. So then uh, it was a crazy, cool experience. I actually loved that part of it. And then I got home that night and I just had this black cloud hanging over my head like I was going to die or somebody in my family was going to die and I just couldn't shake it. So when I got home, my wife was, uh, my daughter was in bed with my wife. She, she had fallen asleep in her bed. So I just went ahead and sleep in my daughter's bed. And I woke up the next morning and it, I was wide awake and I heard, I heard these voices all around the bed. And I was like, what are, where are these voices coming from? And I was wide awake and I was sitting up and looking around. So I tried to just close my eyes and put it out of my head. And when I closed my eyes, I could see where the voices were coming from. I was laying on what looked like a conference table. And there were people sitting all around the table. Some of them, all of them in my life, some of them dead, some of them alive. And they were discussing why I should be put in, a, in an asylum. And I was trying to reason with the voices, trying to get them to stop, uh, trying to shake it out of my head. Maybe it was my imagination. Maybe I was still dreaming. So I was calling for my wife and my wife came in. So my wife comes in and uh, she starts trying to talk to me and I can't hear her over the voices. So she doesn't know what to do. I try to close my eyes and put it out of my mind again. And these demons jump on the bed with me. At first it was one demon in front of my face and then it was another one behind me. And they were just gnashing their teeth and growling. It was just like the most grotesque thing I could imagine just sitting there in my face. So then I opened my eyes and it would be gone. And my wife panicked and she left the room. And then she comes and I tried to lay lay back down and put it out of my mind again. The demons jumped in my face again. And then when I opened my eyes, they were there on the bed with me. Just I, I felt like I could reach out and touch them. I could see just the wetness of their face, all the muscles in their face. And they had these big giant teeth and they were all, they were all slimy and everything. And my wife comes in the room with the Bible and everything stops. Hmm. And I haven't experienced anything like that since then. So that it gave me this idea for this movie. It's a, it was a sea of an idea. And I would just hit with this inspiration. Like I said, I just stay up, stayed up day and night. Wow. Writing it. That is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I don't think uh, most people would be like, you know what? This would call for a great movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> they would probably, uh, I don't know, check themselves out somewhere. I don't know. But that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that that experience turned into the idea, premise of the dead place or inspiration for the dead place. Yeah. It was, it was very frightening at the time. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even talk about it for years. Wow. It, it just sparked something in my imagination because I was already, I was always fearless before that. I would, mm-hmm. I would just march up into haunted places. I'd go to haunted places by myself and stay there a while. And it never bothered me. But after this, then it made me scared to go to these places. Wondering yeah. What so, was, what's out there that we don't know about, you know? Right. So would you say now that you kind of have like this, um, openness, awareness of like these kinds of things and kind of take it a little bit more seriously? Um, as far as maybe like yeah. that kind of realm. Yeah. And I'm still very curious about it because 
that made me even more curious. Like for a while, I, I refused to go into kind of any any kind of haunted place. But as mm-hmm. as the years passed, I became even more curious about it because I I want to know whether that was an outside force or whether that was my own brain. Because if it was my own brain, that's scary as well. You know, if, true. If I can conjure those type of images that look and sound and feel that real to me. What's to stop it from happening again? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, because you know, because a lot of people could say like that'd be like a sleep paralysis kind of deal. You know, like where and I I never experienced that myself, but I've heard a lot of stories from other people, including my own dad, who's had that and thought he was haunted by a demon because he could feel something on the bed with him, and then when he looked up, he just saw this big shadow figure over him and things like that. He couldn't move, and that's that that even sleep paralysis. I I, I know it's. Once you get out of it, it's fine. But like that, that whole experience, I feel like would be even, you know, it's terrifying for myself as well. So I've been watching a lot of ghost adventures lately, too. So yeah. <laughs> like, so hearing this story is like, yeah, yeah, these people, you know, some people do experience this kind of stuff. Yeah. And my, my ideas stem from, you know, dummies like me going into a place like that. So fearless. Mm-hmm. And then what if you went in there and it was real? So I, I came up once I came up with that seed of an idea, it kind of branched off into it's it's actually a three-parter this is actually part one of a trilogy and all so i wrote them all three of them into the same script originally and then along the way as i learned more and more i realized that i was covering three entirely entirely different themes in the story which was on purpose but in a in a movie like this especially making it as an indie filmmaker i really had to to uh scale it down to where it was manageable to film into three parts, but it also gave me a chance to explore each one of those themes in a, in a more fulfilling way, you know? Right. Um, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, uh, I'm excited to kind of hear your take on everything with the dead place that, that has David Howard Thornton starring in it as well as the villain of the new kid, which is very, very exciting. Of course, if anyone has not familiar with David Howard Thornton art, the clown, that's who we're talking about right now. Um, but before we get there, you had to cut your teeth for a while, like you were saying, doing music videos, doing these indie projects and everything like that. Um, one of the things I just watched from your work was Extended Scare Package, uh, which oh. I thought was which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, Joe Bob Briggs Festival picked that up, right? And, um, yeah. uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience kind of trying to figure out you know, the film scene, you know, developing your crafts and getting that experience that led up to the dead place. Well, what I did when I first started, I wanted to do something similar in the vein of the dead place. So I did uh, my first short film stab awake, which is in the same universe as the dead place. So the, the entity that you see torment everybody in the dead place is the same entity that's introduced in stab awake. So I made all my mistakes on my first project. First of all, it was 35 minutes. It's way too long for a short film. Uh, it was The cast was way too big. I had about 16, 16 cast members, and only two of them were actors. All the rest of them were my friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went up and rented a cabin up in uh, uh, the Sequoia National Forest. That was another big mistake, taking all those people up there <laughs> and paying for all that food and all that, that stay in and. We didn't get it filmed in all one weekend, so we had to come back. I had to pay for everybody to come back and, and do it again. There was stuff like we went to the cabin once and filmed, and we filmed a major scene with all the characters in one room. And then 
we didn't film all the scene. We had to go back and film in that room again. And then when we came back, there was a huge refrigerator that was there. It was gone. So we kind of had to, you know, uh, troubleshoot all these things. And uh, the first DPI hired was a complete nightmare. And he tried to hijack the whole production. Uh, he was taking way too long, like putting big spotlights up in the ceiling. And he wanted to, he wanted to get an extra good looking uh, clips for his reel. But we were trying to do a running gun gorilla shoot where you don't take two hours to set up every 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 shot, you know. So it's just all these things that everything that could go wrong did, and we persevered and finished it. So after that, it was like if we finish, if we survive that first one, we can make another one. <laughs> so I just kept doing it over the years, and I ended up getting um, putting a variety show together, horror variety show, because I think it. I thought it was best to put together a TV show where we're like putting our heads together, trying to come up with little short films and stuff. It's, it's It was like a crash course in filmmaking for us. So we started that uh, TV show and we worked for like seven years for this studio. And they kept telling us where they're going to launch the show. We were working to them, for them for free, setting up uh, all kinds of sets. Uh, I was writing different segments for them. And they just kept spinning their wheels and never launched. So as soon as we left there, we went to a Roku channel called American Horrors. And we got on there. And once we got on on there, it was like a Saturday Night Live for horror fans. We'd do uh, movie reviews and skits. And, uh, you know, a host would come on and, and host the show. He was like an evil Rod Serling. So we had ended up uh, accumulating like 4 million uh, viewers throughout the course of 2019. So that's when we made extended scare package. So that, that's why I'm really, I'm extra proud that, that uh, Joe Bob chose this particular short. Cause it's one that was like absolutely no budget. We had no resources, no budget or anything. We just kind of put it together on our own. And uh, the actress that was supposed to be in it, she got, she got really sick at the last minute. So her roommate kind of, came in as a replacement. So it's just what I was talking about, all the troubleshooting, uh, when things go wrong, do creative things to overcome that. And that's when uh, Joe Bob chose this little short that we put together with no budget from our little show. So it, it gave me the confidence to say, you know what, if Joe Bob chose this little no budget short that we did, maybe we can actually do the dead place now. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um which is incredible. I mean, you know, you kind of have, I feel like that's the grind for a lot of filmmakers, just trial and error, just doing productions over and over again, working for free, making the mistakes in the beginning, still making mistakes along the way, but learning every time. And every production tends to get a little better every time. You know, if you can navigate 1% more every time, I think that's great. Joe Bob Briggs, that's an amazing accomplishment getting into his festival. I actually submitted to that festival as well. I didn't get in, but I I actually ended up getting a, uh, I won best film at FrankenCon here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Joe Bob was here and he handed me the award for that for that film, which was awesome. So I'm like, okay, Joe Bob, and that you know I felt kind of like that same. I'm like, I'm on to something, you know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> so when you, I, I I can understand that confidence feeling. Um, you know, like a lot of people will ask me and ask other filmmakers in general just kind of like how you get started or 
uh, how do you make these connections and things like that? Like, how are you doing finding these opportunities along the way and whatnot? Like, was this something for you that you just kind of independently um, embarked on and then like just kind of naturally it grew along the way? Or did you know like connections along the way that kind of helped you like have that find those platforms to reach those audiences? Well, when I first started out, and I'm sure you know from being a filmmaker, when you first start out, especially in the horror genre, you get no respect whatsoever. Mm. So I just had to grind along doing my own my own projects. And then as you meet people along the way, you kind of uh, talk about collaboration mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, So I started working on other people's, like, if I didn't have any money to do my own project at that time, I'd start searching for other people to collaborate with and I'd work on their projects for free. So <clears throat> I cut my teeth a lot that way. Cause I, I won't name any names, but I worked with some people who were n- complete nightmares. They would, they would throw me into a horrible situation just to see if I could get out of it. And they would sit, sit back with their arms crossed just to see how I, how I handled it. And it was a nightmare at the time. And I was really resentful toward the person at the time, but it was all a learning process, you know? And I got ripped off. There was a, a project that I did with someone, I, I wrote something for them and then they, they took my writing and didn't give me any credit for it. And it's, it's a lot of stuff that makes you feel disheartened, especially the disrespect that you get in the business. And if you feel disheartened and there'll be a lot of times where you feel like you want to quit because you, you're getting no appreciation and you feel like you're spinning your wheels for literally years. And if you just persevere, then you'll learn something along the way. And it, and like you said, it gets easier each time. And that's why I'm glad that my first couple projects were a complete nightmare that I barely got through because I kind of a, kind of a crash course where I I was uh, everything after that was kind of paled in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the tough thing about being any filmmaker. We, I was just actually talking about this on my last, my last show. Um, we're in a really great time for indie filmmaking in horror, especially Um, everyone has like a really unique style. Everyone's really, a lot of cool people are making cool content and things like that, but it's, it's very overcrowded, you know, especially social media, especially like um, when there's budgets involved and things like that. So you can make something really cool or you can be a really good guy and make these things, but, it can be very overshadowed by all the other filmmakers and social media that's kind of surrounding that. And then these other people who might have better resources than you or pull than you. And like, yeah, there is a little bit of like that disrespect or uh, just not enough acknowledgement or things like that. So it can, cause I'm right now I'm about seven years into my filmmaking career with strange films. And uh, we've had a really great ride. I'm very, very excited for the future and everything like that. But like you said, there's times where you're just kind of sitting there like, what am I doing here? what am I doing? You know, like I, I can see, I put a lot, all my heart, passion, soul into this project. And I know it, 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 it's gotten great reception, but no matter where I try to show it, you know, pub, or to try to extend, get it to a higher platform, I'm not getting that reach. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like these things are very real for indie filmmakers and it's very tough, but I do think perseverance, like you said, is one of the things I keep trying to remind myself, like, you just got to keep going. You just got to keep going. Yeah. It, it speaks to you more than anything. And, you know, and the, the wins, they count pretty big. You just got to keep pushing, riding that, you know, as long as you can. Yeah. And you, you have to love what you do. Yes. And, 
and realize how hard it's going to be and and that a lot of your work you know it feels like it's it's falling on deaf ears sometimes mm -hmm. but if you just keep going people will eventually see what you're doing yeah I totally believe it and that's what I have to stay true to um, myself and yeah but I, I do think that's a, a really good message to relay to other filmmakers if you're just doing it you're grinding your teeth you love it and you don't care about the results and you just want to keep going keep going you know um, and it's also find different ways to keep your confidence up because it, it's because confidence in your work is what's going to get you out there because like you said that the market's flooded right now it's it's much easier and cheaper to make a movie right now. And especially in the horror genre, you can make a really cheap movie. And as long as it's entertaining, people will watch it and it'll have a fan base, you know? Yeah. Which is really exciting and inspiring. But at the same time, it's it like, you know, there's just so many people doing it and you never know. Like, I don't know. You just got to kind of put yourself out there, be confident with it. Like you said, and, and, uh, the shoot for the stars and just keep, Keep progress. Keep doing that one percent. I think every day, as long as you can, you know. So, and I, I think the stuff that I do is different enough because I go, I go a lot by instinct. Yes. And then, in the dead place, my instinct is kind of ringing true more than any other project. What I really feel good about because I've had in, instinct about a lot of the cast that I that I hired, and a, a lot of it. Uh, the other producers fought me on it because on paper it didn't make sense. Like, why on such a low-budget movie are you flying people in from other states? Why are you going SAG and going through all that extra hassle at this level? And I, I just knew my instincts were right about this cast. So I put together a cast of, like, non-union people who'd barely done a couple projects, and I mixed them with some very experienced veteran actors and then threw them in there with David Howard Thornton, who's becoming this new horror icon it kind of mixed them all together and it just lightning in a bottle <laughs> yeah and you know instinct is I, i've been i've always followed my instinct for every film i've done and i never really said that out loud to people but i just watched a documentary about um making the exorcist uh, leap of faith um and the director who made the exorcist and that was exactly what he said he's like i just i didn't even know you know people were fighting me for everything and you know these traditional technical shots everyone wanted me to do he's like no i just do my i followed my instinct and he's like and everyone thought i was crazy but look how what happened with that movie and everything and i just and then you saying that kind of just yeah i think I think if you know what you're even if like you don't think you know what you're doing but you know what you're doing because you're just naturally doing it I think that's yeah. where you need to be. <laughs> like it's, yeah. And yeah. you have to have a mixture of that. And you also have to have quality control. Yes, absolutely. Be, be your own worst critic of your own work. You know, yeah. if ne never, never be satisfied with anything less. And if, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you feel like you're putting stuff out there that people aren't responding to do something better. I, I challenged that to myself and I, I had to come to that harsh realization that I was doing a bunch of guerrilla things, you know, a bunch of guerrilla filmmaking with no budget and inexperienced actors. And I was sitting there wondering why people weren't, weren't responding to it. I'm like, and I had to tell myself, if you want people to respond to this, you just have to do better work. I mean, a, a lot of people, especially casual moviegoers, they, if, if they sense any kind of cheapness to your production, they're going to turn off, mm -hmm. you know? So you have to be your own worst critic and say, you know, 
if I'm not making it, the, the, it's it's not the answer isn't to give up. The answer is to work harder and do do better. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. All right, so the dead place, um, like we discussed, it's in post production now. We're trying to get it uh, get as best as it can be through the editing and everything like that. Um, David Howard Thornton is attached to this film. How did you how did you meet him or get him attached to the project and what was production like for you guys? Well, uh, while we were making the TV show, uh, we had a lot of downtime because the, uh, the network we were working for wasn't launching yet. So we needed something to keep us visible and keep us relevant. So we started a podcast. My uh, production partner, James Rivera, and I, it was a Ghostman and Rivera's Horror Show podcast. So we started that and we were just discussing movies and stuff. And then when COVID happened, we we saw that, you know, we can get on Zoom and get some bigger stars in here. So let's let's try this thing, make it a little bit bigger, you know. So uh, I had uh, become friends with David Howard Thornton just through through connections. And I wrote him on Facebook and I kind of uh, asked him to come on the show. And he's really cool about uh, going on podcasts with very little views. You know, he, he doesn't discriminate as far as what podcasts he goes on and, and the people he helps. So he really helped us out when we didn't have, have that many viewers yet. And he came on the show. And uh, that's when I found out that he had this extensive theater background, that he's played the Joker in a fan film before. And he'd played uh, Grandpa Who in a, in a production of, in a uh, stage production of, of uh, Grinch Sold Christmas. So I, I saw that, you know, it was kind of strange that this guy that had this extensive theater background, it was so animated and so funny, you know, became an icon through being a mute clown. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when the wheel started turning and uh, I started considering him for the role. So I just kind of planted the seed. I didn't want to approach him and say, oh, you want to be in my movie? But I, so I just kind of planted the seed and said, oh, I'm making this movie. Uh, here's the story. I kind of had uh I envisioned you in one of the parts. So the story intrigued him. So I started talking about it, talking to him about it a little bit more. And then when he was really hooked in, that's when he said, okay, here's my manager's uh, information. If my manager signs off on this project, I'll go for it. So I wrote his manager, nothing. We we ended up having to put off the uh, crowdfunding campaign last year because I couldn't get through to the manager. Finally got through to them, and then once I explained the story to them, they were very excited about David being in a movie uh, as a uh, someone who speaks so much as, as a villain because it was kind of baffling to her as well that he became famous being a mute character when he had such an extensive theater background. So uh, once we got him hooked in with the manager, then I sent him the script, and then that's when we had him. Once, once he got a hold of the script, he started like advocating for us and saying he really wanted to do it. So after that, he was on the project and and uh, everything else kind of snowballed after that. Once he was on the project, it, there was a lot more interest in it, a lot more people clamoring to be in it. That's when we found uh, Beatrice Bupley. She's uh, Amanda Kruger from Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Uh, she came on board and then uh, Bill Oberst Jr. became interested in it and... Uh, Bill Burst Jr. is actually a fan of mine for a while because I tried to get him as a host of my show, but there was no money in it at the time, so I couldn't get him. 
So we've been wanting to work together ever since. So once this project came about, I talked to uh, his manager. So then everybody started getting excited over Bill Oberst Jr. and David Howard Thornton being in the same movie because they both played these famous killer clowns. Wow. So that got a lot of interest in the, the crowdfunding campaign. But uh, leading up to it, anybody who's followed the project closely knows the nightmares that we went through before production. The week before production, we had uh, we had been contacting SAG constantly, the uh, Screen Actors Guild Union. And we said, we have a, a set teacher. Will you approve her? Uh, is everything in order here? You know, uh, do we have to pay any more deposit and all that? And no answer. So finally, about a week before production, they drop a bunch of charges on us. They tell us we have to have a different uh, uh, set teacher that they approve. So we ended up being uh, almost $10,000 in a hole from that. Uh, they gave it, they charge us double the uh, deposit that they usually charge. So it was just all this outrageous charges dropped on us right there at the end of the week, and we went over budget. Mm. So luckily, we had some producers step in that gave us just enough to get get production going. But uh, that that week before, I was really questioning. I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this, but <laughs> I was questioning if I was even in the right business. I was questioning if I should have ever gotten started on that project. I completely became catatonic. I was curled up in a fetal position on my couch saying, I just want it all to end. I just want to give everybody their money back. This is too much because it was 15 years of my life. And then to feel this euphoria of getting the money for it and we had the budget for it. And then just to find out the week before that it might not happen, it was just too much. And I just shut down. So, uh, I was desperate, so I started doing a lot of meditation and a lot of stretching, you know, yoga and stuff like that leading up. So, so every day of our 11 day shoot, I got up every morning and would meditate and uh, stretch and everything and get my mind clear. And then I had the greatest 11 days of my life, not just my career. It was just a dream set. Everyone was a family. Everyone loved each other. Everyone became best friends. There's even some romances started on the set. Uh, David was excellent. David Howard Thornton was excellent in his role. I had to do barely any directing with him. Uh, he had to do uh, like pitiful crying, an emotional, dramatic scene. And then he had to be, uh, you know, um, a sarcastic kind of nasty villain. And he pulled that off and he just so effortless. And so like there was one uh, scene where in the classroom where he's kind of talking to the main character, he's kind of taunting him and he gets up and he morphs into a demon and we had him go get into prosthetics. And when he came back in that demon makeup and he stood up in that classroom after he had transformed into this demon, you could feel the energy in the whole room like lift. Mm. It was just, I'd never experienced anything like that. Just the, the whole energy shifting in the room because of this guy's performance. I was just blown away. And I just, like I said, it was the most fulfilling experience in my career. And I'm so glad that I didn't quit in that week leading up to it. Yeah. Wow. That, I mean, I guess like I've never, well, cause you, you know, you guys raised 
over $90,000 through the crowdfunding for this film. So I, you giving that, I didn't, cause I, I wasn't aware of that trouble uh, kind of the week before. So hearing that and hearing that you just were kind of like, what's I can't do this like that. I would understand that because I feel like that my anxiety would feel that way too. I've never worked with a budget like that. I've never worked with a budget in general, really. I mean, we, we've spent, you know, a couple thousand dollars here and there, but nothing like that measure with that kind of talent and everything like that. So the fact that you pushed through and you took care of yourself mentally and physically and, and then everything kind of just fell into place exactly how it should be. That's pretty amazing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, it took some really key people in my life to tell me, you know, I know you feel like giving up right now. I know it feels hopeless, but imagine how you're going to feel if you let this go, if you just, walk away from it now imagine you're gonna feel that much worse that you did that and they said imagine how you're gonna feel when you actually push through and get through it and it's a great experience and they were 100 percent right mm -hmm. so uh, all you filmmakers out there no matter how hard it gets just keep going just once you start a project don't walk away from it yeah i totally agree finish it you know finish it if your heart's in it you knew you wanted to do it i you got to you got to finish it. Yeah. Get through that challenge. Get through that hurdle because it will make you a stronger, better, not only filmmaker, but a person I think, you know, will really yeah. will really, really help you grow. And when it happens, it feels like a miracle. Yeah. But it, it's it's not really. It's just you persevering and you pushing forward and people see that in you and they appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So that that's why that's why people gravitate towards you and, and support you. Right. Yeah. And think of all these connections that you made through that movie. Likely they will, they're going to support everything you do from here on out, whether on set with you or behind the scenes watching, you know, whatever it is like, they're going to, they're going to, they know what kind of filmmaker person you are and that, that amazing set, that experience that they all had and shared with each other. And it's going to be really exciting when the movie comes out and to continue supporting your film career from there on out. And I had this confidence throughout because of their support. Mm -hmm. And because I was able to keep up that confidence level, I was able to get through it. Because I, I normally I thought I was, a, I was, I thought I was going to become fearful that I would let everyone down. Once I, once I got all the support from the fans, I thought I would be fearful I would let them down. But I really wasn't. I was just confident. I knew that I had something special. And then once I put the cast together, once I found that perfect combination of cast i was so confident in what we had and how special it was i knew we, i knew we were going to pull it off mm -hmm. and it, mostly because of the script because i've always been proud of the script but when i handed it over to steve deering he's one of our um producers and he did script coverage on the john wick films and uh the gary oldman film the darkest hour uh, hotel artemis all these big movies like this so he did script coverage on that and he had worked on my TV show with me. And when he come, came to me and asked me if I had a project that I, that I wanted to develop, that he wanted to jump into a bigger project with me. And I had that one. And once I gave him the script, what he did is just went through and wrote these detailed notes on it based on his experience as, you know, just suggestions here and there. Oh, if this, if you uh, plant the seed of this drama in this other scene, it would make that more effective. Just little suggestions for tweaks here and there and he just 
something he did with that script, just the little tweaks he made here and there just gave me an inspiration to make it better than I than it had ever been before. So that's when I really got the confidence, when I really polished that script based on those uh, professional notes. That's when I really got the confidence to push all the way through. That's incredible. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, obviously, it's amazing to have that kind of connection to help you grow uh, and gain that confidence and whatnot. Um, a lot of people, you know, we're all I think we I think we overanalyze everything when we write, especially, you know, and maybe we think something is amazing on paper and then we hand it over a few people and they're kind of like, yeah, you know, well, no, it's good. But like, I think this or this doesn't make sense or maybe like maybe suggestions here. I definitely think it's good to kind of pass your script around as much as you can, especially if people who are in the industry or other filmmakers, directors, maybe um, to kind of get that just a different perspective than you, because they may see something or not see something that you, you know, you're experiencing when you're writing the script. So, um, but it's, it's amazing that, uh, that all that a whole story, I feel like is really, really unique and, and, and great to hear. Um, and now that the film is production wise is finished, right? So we're, we're in post-production and currently there's an Indiegogo to help finish, uh, some of those color grading and editing stuff that you need to get done. With that, do you want to talk about a little bit about that so we can plug it? We'll uh, put it in the show notes and everything like that as well. Uh, sure. Uh, we're actually doing pretty good. We're about uh, 22% funded. we got about nine days left on the on the campaign. Uh, it's going to pay for color correction. That's That costs money to do it professionally. I mean, I, we did a simple color correction on it when we put out the trailer. But there's so much more can be done with it, like a, to give it that depth. There's some really experienced uh, people who are in that position can really bring out the the polish in the film. So we got to do that, and then sound design. We need a professional sound design. We need someone to get in there and uh, put the right sound effects together, mix it with the music and the the dialogue and all that. And uh, we also need to do. We also need a really good score on this. I don't want just another cut and paste score from previous scores. I want real instruments on it because I think the the footage we got is the best footage of my career, and I don't want to sell it short with a less than stellar uh, score. And I also have uh, a few bands in mind for the soundtrack, so we want to pay for licensing and all that. So uh, we're getting pretty close to getting what we need we just need to push a little farther these this last uh week and a half and uh we're putting together a sizzle reel is what it's called now which is uh all the best parts you know not worried about spoilers and we have some uh, uh distributors waiting waiting for uh to see something from us so we're working on getting that to them so we're gonna see a lot happening in the next two weeks nice. on this yeah, as of uh, when this re- when this episode releases, as of uh, I guess now, if you're listening, um, there'll probably be just a few days left on the campaign. Uh, so I'm sure the numbers will be even higher currently um, and whatnot. But regardless, listening back on this, uh, y- everyone's going to be able to hear this in- entire experience and kind of kind of see how it all came together and everything, which is really cool. Um, and you said there's, you know two and three parts two and three that you want to pursue as well for this as well so i know i mean this first big project is a huge undertaking i'm sure it's gonna gotta finish it out and everything like that but 
is it kind of if if you had it your way is it plan of action just as soon as it's done kind of jump right into that second part or do you need some time to kind of get your bearings again and and kind of go go at it I'd, I'd like to jump into that second part i i guess it all depends on uh how much of a splash we can make when it comes out like if, if we can really shake up the genre and get, get a good uh theatrical release and then uh, i'm hoping to release it on shutter because I, I love the shutter app because of how carefully curated their their content is so i'd love to to have like a short theater release and then get on shutter that's what i'm hoping we'll do because uh after Terrifier 2 came out, then uh, The Mean One, the other uh, film that David was in, got a theatrical release just because of the success of Terrifier 2. Mm-hmm. So we're actually talking to the same people who put out Terrifier 2 in the theaters. So as long as we can get a nice polish on this, I think we have a we have a real chance of, of a shaking up the genre this year. Awesome. I look forward to seeing... Uh, all the the progress and results and uh, very very exciting. Um, we'll definitely uh, help promote all that along the way, and, and that's really really cool. Thank you for sharing all that information, and everything. Um, there is, uh, I guess, one more thing before we dive into the last part of our show is um, there's another feature film that you have uh, called Pay Up that's kind of that's still on the the way to being released. But is there anything you'd like to talk about uh, information about that? Uh. Pay Up was my first feature film, but it may end up being my second. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, it took about four years to get a distribution deal uh, because I was told that it has a extremely gory scene, an extremely gory and disturbing, realistic-looking scene, but the rest of it is really like a character-driven, like crazy kind of cult movie. So uh, I was told that it had too much blood and guts for some people but not enough for others you know what i mean hmm. so it's a it's a scene that's so bloody and so disturbing that it's kind of appeals to uh exploitation fans but the but the rest of it not quite so it's kind of and, and it has a full frontal male nudity in it and stuff like that so in order to have stuff like that it usually has to go toward exploitation levels mm-hmm. So it kind of falls there in the middle. So it took forever for us to get a uh, distributor who believed in it. We finally got one through Joe Bob when we went for to his festival and went to represent our movie. So we met a distributor there. He loved the movie. Uh, we talked about putting it out. It was supposed to come out last February, this, this February on Valentine's Day. And then one of the producers started making other films with the same type of premise and the same character names and everything. What? <laughs> so the distributor found out about this and I asked the guy, I said, could you please assure the distributor that you're not going to release other films with the same premise? Well, I can't do that. <laughs> so like it scared the distributor off. So I don't even know what's going on with the distributor at this point. So we're huh. in, on that one one of the many nightmares of my career <laughs> yeah well i'm sure one day we'll see the light of day publicly for people to watch um I'm oh, yeah, we'll to release it one way or another yeah right exactly so that's cool i'm excited to check that out as well um and kind of just get to know a little bit more about your work and style and everything as well so uh very exciting man i mean that's incredible i i'm not familiar with distribution at all like i just and i feel like 
for me, it's so hard to kind of grasp at that. And I don't even know where to start. So I feel like uh, that is something you're, you've obviously been able to kind of grow some connections and everything to help get your stuff on a bigger platform, reach these audiences and everything like that. And that's, and that's going to help and help you succeed in your film career. Um, I mean, how does it feel knowing from the start of your film career, when you had no idea or even no like maybe intention to go into film to seeing where you are now? I mean, I'm sure that's a huge uplifting moment for you. Oh yeah. It feels great. I mean, I'm, I feel in a very volatile position right now because I, I have something special. I know it's special. I know the public's going to love it, but it's not quite finished yet. It's, it's still, there's still some uncertainty about it. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're, we're almost there, but we're not quite. So there's a, there's that euphoria that comes with finally getting everything that I've always wanted in my career, which is support from the fans and true excitement. And I'm, uh, going to conventions where I'm sitting next to like Kane Hodder signing autographs and stuff. It's all so surreal and, and almost euphoric, but there's also that frustration. Like, I just want to get it out there. I just want this to work out. I want, you know, I want to get the proper finishing funds and I want to finish it right. And I want it to look good enough and sound good enough for a theatrical release. So it's all, it's all really volatile right now. Really excited, but really kind of, stressed a little bit too (laughs) well and i think that's the honest answer about it and i think you're a really uh, great example of an indie filmmaker who can cut his teeth for a long time just to get to get to this position where you're right there you know you're right there at that moment where it could just take you to that bigger level that that next level that you're kind of like riding the wave along the lines of it right now but it could just take you that next step and i'm really really excited for you um, and you're inspiring me just talking with you about it as well. So you're you're a great example for it. And I'm uh, super excited and proud of you, man. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Uh, Michael, this is uh, the last part of our show where I try to bring some value to the listener. Uh, we we uh, we aim for filmmakers, actors, other creatives. But, you know, in general, like anyone that's aspiring to be something or they just need something to kind of pick them up a little bit we've talked a lot about some advice and things like that with indie filmmaking but is there any last sort of note that you can um uh send the listeners off with as far as your perspective or experience goes or a struggle you had or something like that just to kind of uh get that out there well just just perseverance and being true to yourself and being honest with yourself you know, if, like I said before, if, if you're if you feel like you're spinning your wheels, look extra close at, at your presentation, at at what you're putting out. And if people aren't responding to it, make it better. Be 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 tough on yourself. You know, don't be so tough on yourself that you're stressed out and you want to quit. But be tough on yourself as far as uh, the quality that you put out. And go, go the extra mile to make it. You know, if, if going that extra mile seems daunting, do it anyway because people will notice and 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 also don't be afraid to uh, support other filmmakers because it's not a competition i mean there there's room for all of us there's a lot of us out there and if we're doing something original there's there's room for all of us so if one of us makes it it doesn't mean that the rest of us are are not you know we can all make it totally that's the the mentality i uh I, i like to have as well and um yeah, I mean, I think at, at, as of right now, I'm seven years in and I 
personally, my experience, I'm kind of right there where I'm like, I'm even more inspired and excited for everything I'm doing with my unique, my, my brand and everything. But I have those days where I'm like <laughs> seven years in what's, you know, can I get a sign? Can I get something yeah. you know, that this is working, you know? And, you know, you battle that a lot on a daily basis and it's tough, but, um, but you know, you know, I talk to people like you, I talk to people who support what I do and things like that. And, um, you know, you kind of just get motivated every day to, to do that 1% more and, and, and look at things differently, you know, and, and just try to keep going, you know, for sure. Yeah. Always evaluate what you're doing and make sure you're doing everything you can to move forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and as long as you're moving forward, that that's enough to give you enough boost to keep going. Just, mm -hmm. just looking back on what you've done it and say, at least I haven't stepped backwards. It might be a slow climb, but at least I'm climbing up a little bit more. I'm not falling back. So just look at what you've done and make you make sure you're always progressing, even if it's small increments. Just keep evolving. Absolutely. Uh, beautiful. Well said. Thank you. Um, and thank you for your time again, for being on the show and sharing your story, giving some advice and, uh, and everything, real perspective and real struggles in between. Um, where can people find you and help support your work and everything else in between? Uh, you can look at me up on IMDb. Look, look up my name, Michael Pickle, and The Dead Place. And each time you visit IMDb, that looks looks better for me and our, and my projects. And you can go on Facebook and, and search uh, The Dead Place Movie Group and join the group there. We interact a lot on there. Uh, send me a friend request on there. Um, and you can get all of our social media information from there. Awesome. All right. And I'm going to put a bunch of the information that you sent me in your, in uh, the links below as far as the dead place goes and uh, your, your YouTube channel and everything else. So I uh, hope everybody checks out the dead place, support Michael and his uh, film career again. Thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your story. Um, with that said, guys, we'll catch you guys next time.